As they say in the musical Hamilton, tuning into this podcast, you are officially in the room where it happens. Welcome to In the Room. Hosted by Canvas Credit Union President and CEO Todd Marksberry, In the Room focuses on the journeys and advice of CEOs and owners alternating between Colorado organizations and credit unions across the world. Join us as Todd and Company demystify leadership and explore the many rooms leaders occupy. You're listening to In the Room. Well, good afternoon and welcome to our podcast In the Room with Todd Marksberry. Um, today, I'm really excited to have uh, uh, a dude, a cat, who is uh, <laughs> considered a credit union rock star and a technology expert. You know, normally those two don't go together, um, but he is that and many other things. Mr. Steve Williams, welcome to our podcast today. Hey, Todd, everybody at Canvas, thank you. Thanks for having me. Love, love being in your corner. Absolutely. Hey, do you, I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them a little bit about, you told me to, to, to keep it short in terms of your background, but um, I don't know, man, you've done so much stuff. I, I'm going to dive in. So, so Steve's the president, a partner and a co-founder of Cornerstone Advisors, and he heads up the firm's strategic solutions practice. And he's actively involved in, in many of Cornerstone's technology planning, performance and, uh, and performance improvement engagements. He's literally assisted hundreds and hundreds of banks and credit unions around the country uh, in their efforts to become more efficient uh, and top performing financial institutions. And he's, his, his fingerprints are all over a bunch of our friends all over the country. I don't know, if, did that sound right? His fingerprints <laughs> around, <laughs> but uh, over the performance of their, uh, their organizations. Um, more than 25 years of experience in financial services and, and consulting industries. And, and just, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the best and brightest in our industry. And, and again, friend, a friend to so many credit unions and, and um, a trusted Thank advisor, you. if you will. Uh, he writes regularly for Gonzo Banker, Cornerstone's blog. And he's been published in numerous industry periodicals, including the American Banker, Bank Director, BAI, Banking Strategies, and CU Management, among other um, trade publications. Um, he's a good dude. He has a, an MBA degree uh, in finance, summa cum laude, crazy enough. Or, <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're really digging back into the history there. Okay. <laughs> and, and, a, and a BS degree in, in journalism, business journal, journalism at Northern Arizona University. Again, great background. Um, Steve, again, welcome. Do me a favor. I yeah. told them a little bit about your background, but uh, tell us about, in your own words, your journey uh, sure. as far as, you know, what led you to where you are today and what you guys are doing. Yeah, I think like everybody, accidents and doors opening, but uh, I like to joke, I, I, journalism wanted to write the great American novel till I found out what journalists make doing obituaries in Montana in 1986. So I went back to graduate school and there stumbled into banking. Uh, I like to joke in, in 1988, I was the smart young kid who understood this new thing called the personal computer. So I had a lot of leverage around the bank. Uh, now I'm the, the old guy who doesn't get uh, analytics, uh, AI and other things out there. So it's, it's fun to watch what happened. And I stumbled into consulting during the SNL crisis when I was a banker and ended up over at Arthur Anderson and I like to joke, Todd, I'm old enough now that this will be my fourth banking crisis. And uh, uh, you can do some pattern recognition and maybe not be as uh, panicked, uh, but there's uh, interesting times ahead. Um, 
you know, I think what I like to tell people is my only qualification for the last 25 years, I've spent 100 days per year out on the road, at least uh, in the trenches with institutions and have really come to appreciate uh, how complex this industry is, but uh, when done right, uh, the value it can add. Uh, and, uh, you know, I work with both banks and credit unions and uh, there are there are saints and sinners on every street. And so, you know, I really have enjoyed <laughs> meeting the personalities and uh, love the cooperative movement. I, I am. I'm, I'm totally a federalist and think the idea of checks and balances and in our structure is terrific. And the cooperative movement is a wonderful check on the for profit model getting extreme. The for profit model has some places in terms of scaling and things. So it's, it's fun to watch. And I've met just so many great people. Uh, it's a misnomer that that uh, the business world is full of of selfish people. Uh, it's some of the greatest, uh, truly, uh, you know, most uh, sharing people I've ever met are you know through the business world and through the cooperative movement. No, I agree a hundred percent. Do me a favor, let people know, help them. You know, a lot of people know who Cornerstone Advisors mm -hmm. is and what you guys do, but uh, yeah. you know, talk to us about you know the the. You know, I mean, you guys are all over in terms of, sure. you know, in your engagements. What do you guys do? Yeah, you know, I, we, uh, we kind of use the term to our research director, Ron Shelvin said, you know, a smarter bank. We, we, you know, using that term bank generically, we want to create smart institutions. And uh, what we see is the shift going on underway. And so we don't like to be at the highfalutin platitude strategy. To us, strategy is really defining, you know, where are you going to play? How are you going to win? To use the classic quote. And, but we like to get into execution. So a lot of what Cornerstone does is, yeah, we're, we're strategic, but then we get into the technology side of things. And, and in, in the credit union world, a lot of us are buyers of technology more than builders. So we need to understand the vendor marketplace. Uh, there's a lot of best practices that exist out there, but they're kind of lumpy between financial institutions. So we like to be that kind of central resource to bring best practices and as you know, benchmarks together. So uh, when we when we formed the firm, Todd, you know, our tagline was where strategy meets execution. And I think everything we've done has been around that. Uh, we use the term at Cornerstone grit and gritty. Uh, we don't like kind of platitudes. So every argument, every client deliverable, every project we work on, we try to get to the grit. And, um, you know, I, I've had so much fun getting to watch a team that really enjoys doing that. We geek out on the on the topic of banking. Uh, and, and bank technology. And, and the funnest part is when that can add value for our clients, but we still have fun geeking out on it, like we're on SportsCenter or something, <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, different digital strategies or new analytics vendors are out there in the market. And that, that's the, and that's what gets me up with energy every morning is my team. How many team members do you have now? We have, uh, including our sister company, Pure Metrics, that does our benchmarking 85 and uh, soon be knocking on a hundred with our growth plans and started with seven of us, uh, in 2002. So it's been a fun ride. And I just can't emphasize the diversity and quality and craziness of every team member we've added. And, and you know, the, that triple school of a very, uh, you know, uh, hard work ethic, great smarts, uh, you know, but also very humble people. So it's fun. So let me ask you this question, you know, given that you have that number of folks, um, and I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that you do have, there's a, there are a group of those uh, amongst those people mm -hmm. who like you are out and about and right. And, you know, in airports and hotels yeah. and cars, but uh, for those people who are back um, uh, sitting in an office or were sitting in an office, how did you guys, uh, you and the leadership team approach this whole 
COVID-19 thing in terms of the, the safety and wellness of your team? Yeah, you know, it was really challenging, to be honest with you, because we're, we've always been client driven. If you tell us the board meetings, you know, at 11 a.m. Saturday in El Paso, we're going to be there. So my, my joke, Todd, was we felt like planes grounded on the O'Hare runway at first in March. It was like, wait a minute, we've got a mojo and now this mojo is being dealt with. But very quickly, I, you know, I think that it sunk in just uh, how serious this was. And so uh, what was most important to us was to tell folks we're stopping travel and uh, we are not going to pressure you, you know, to ever compromise safety in the, in the name of money. And we said we will lose business. We'll do whatever it takes for you to feel comfortable. Uh, we tried to give that message as much as possible. You know, candidly, you probably had the what have we have from some team members is I know you're saying that, but I want to go, you know, that kind of thing. And we had to do that very sparingly. Uh, we closed our office, uh, you know, last day was uh, the 12th of March. Uh, so like everybody got, you know, went to a virtual environment very quick, but being consultants, candidly, we were kind of spoiled. We all had laptops. We all had Zoom licenses and WebEx licenses and go to meeting licenses and Blue Jeans licenses. So that didn't take long for us. Um, what was really, you know, what was I think the hardest part was we didn't want to be tone deaf to the fact that 100% of our clients were in business continuity mode and uh, we had our business to run but we needed to give them time to absorb what was happening inside so it was that delicate art of how do you reach out but not be distracting and and it was very important we told our whole team please don't be tone deaf to what's going on inside our clients right now uh, they're in a fight for you know a lot of things from their members to their employees to their stakeholders and it actually went quite well and then very quickly all of us learned about this i mean we had this technology before we didn't have this as a habit and we didn't have kind of what works and what doesn't and, and what i'm really happy about todd is i you know i did an all-day executive planning session this week over zoom i'm doing lots of board presentations Mm -hmm. We're breaking up planning from, you know, one day into three smaller sessions with objectives. I'm shocked how well the virtual world has kept things moving. Uh, I still miss, you know, having a scotch with you at 530 after a good long day. Uh, I really miss that. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of person I want to be in a crowd. I want to be at a stadium watching a ball game or at a concert, uh, you know, or at a street fair. Um, so I miss that a lot. But I'm, I've been surprised how well we've kept connections and kept a, you know, a trillion and a half dollar industry in the credit union land moving uh, during this time. You know, it, it, and I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm, I want to be in the crowd. I, you know, I want to be mm -hmm. uh, sitting down and breaking bread and fellowshipping. And like you said, having a, a, a glass of scotch at the end of a long day and, um, and dreaming a little bit, right? Right. Uh, how, let me ask you this, Steve, how, has this changed? I know it's changed a lot of us in the way we're, we're approaching business and it's still a moving target, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how, as a big consulting company, um, has it changed how you guys have approached things strategically speaking as a leadership team? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it always comes back to the first question. Any, you know, any organization that is surviving and growing is figuring out how they add value and figuring out you know, how do they serve uh, in order to grow? How do they serve in a way that adds value? And so we've had incredible discussions about value add and what, what's shifting now and how do folks, and even delivery. So uh, you know, we wanna be there in person and we will be. And we're starting to with you know, the good old social distancing kind of meetings, 
But, it, you know, I think it really comes down to uh, we think what people need in the industry is is it's changing so fast, but they don't need platitudes. They need specifics uh, and they need action, not, you know, uh, assessment. So our, our whole thing is how do we keep piping in what we know and what we can help guide people with very quickly uh, at the right kind of cost point. So it's, you know, I like to joke uh, you know, these days we have to be delivering that content in a lot of new creative ways. So whether that's content about what's the best way to ramp up digital sales or what kind of use cases give you the most impact when you're just starting an analytics strategy. And we've got to figure, you know, we've got to be delivering those things in new ways. And so, yeah, we've, we've definitely been on, on a, a strategic journey the last few months. And it's actually been fun uh, in the sense that it really strips away that question of where do you, Steve Williams, or where do you, Cornerstone, add value? So, so having said that, you know, and having consulted banks and in, in, in then also credit unions over the past 18 years, you know, what, what are the, uh, given all the stuff that's been happening and that you've watched and we've watched over these past five, six months, what are the strategic considerations that you think Steve, yeah. uh, that, that credit unions need to be thinking about yeah. exploring right now. Yeah, well, I, 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 I kind of encapsulated them into, uh, you know, five key areas and they, it's basically, you know, two of them is we're entering now and we kind of had the crucial point of thought, this is a bank anywhere, work anywhere environment of the future. But I also like to joke, we're getting into that future, Todd, right now in a risk everywhere, earnings nowhere type of environment. <laughs> so I like to ask the final one is, is there opportunity somewhere? And I think there is, but it really is those shifts. I am in so many discussions right now about what does delivery look like post COVID? Uh, how much of the branch traffic that went away comes back and sticks? What, is, what does it mean for the digital shift? And so I think that, you know, and, and very candidly, we were lucky for 10 years of kind of rising up to the right growth that we didn't have to really confront the economics of our delivery system. So I think, you know, there is with, with dollars being more short, there's a huge analytic exercise in how do we stay true to our strategy and our brand, but what's the right economic allocation of capital and operating expense to branches versus the voice channel and contact center and digital? And how do we learn new ways to market uh, you know, it's that old classic, are we all going to be a digital credit union only? No, I, I don't think uh, if Chase can spend a billion dollars only on mobile, I don't know if we want to fight that fight. But I think somewhere between the big banks and the fintechs, what credit unions and, and niche organizations or banks can do is really be good at who they're serving that way. Mm -hmm. And also, I'd say it's the connecting point. It's, uh, you know, it's very hard to, to have a digital delivery connected to a smart person who cares or a smart group of people who care. And so what I've noticed lately is, is how do we read it, find delivery? But to me, the, the secret sauce of a credit union is how I connect people to that digital delivery. Uh, it doesn't mean in person. You know, I don't believe in the old people want to go to a branch when it's uh, time to get advice. People love advice through, you know, uh, remote channels. If they have someone they trust, if they have someone who brings the context of their issue and relationship. So I think it's that, you know, how do we bring connections in place in a digital world, not just become a, a faceless digital bank. So how do you think, and I agree with you on all those things, it, 
you made me think of something else. How do you think, because we're talking, you know, thinking strategically, how do you think this is going to affect, is affecting and will continue to affect small credit unions? Because here's the deal, what you just, you and I were just talking about and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. trying to, to um, reimagine, if you will, the experience and how we're serving our members or our customers in the case of mm -hmm. banks. Uh, I have friends, you have a bunch of them in our industry at small credit unions right now. They, they can't see the forest for the trees. And, and it's not because they don't want to. It's because they're like, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now for, my, for our credit union. And we don't have quite the resources and things. And, and so yeah. they're uh, different from somebody like at our credit union, given our size, where we, we, you know, we're paying attention to those things as well, no doubt. But we're also looking out to the future and talking yeah. about the future. I have friends at credit unions, you know, those kind, same kind of folks that are literally like, I'm just trying to get to payroll on Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. how do you think it's good? This is going to impact those smaller credit unions. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's a real philosophical debate. Um, I, I think if you just dispassionately step back and you had a panel of folks, you know, uh, for a Harvard Business Review case study, they would talk about what's the minimum scale to be in the game. I'm sure you and your management team talk about that, what's minimum scale. And no, it's not exactly correlated to asset size, but to have a world-class contact center and the ability to do digital origination and leverage analytics and be, know your customer compliant, there, there is fixed cost. And my belief is the fixed cost keeps growing in our industry to play in the game, unless there's, you know, really ways that you can collaborate to share some of that cost, uh, you know, there's no way but to say we have to keep growing our, our average cost to basically afford the freight on a fixed basis. I think realistically, this means that the opportunity for smaller credit unions to partner with larger credit unions is, is there. Um, I, I, you know, I also think that what's really important about those groups is that Good organizations are going to bring that talent along for the ride. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about, you know, you come in and I don't really believe the way it's going to be done is we negotiate that we merge, but we don't really merge. You keep your brand and you keep your headquarters. And I think that's not value creating for the membership who we work for. That's who owns us. Um, but I do think the message needs to be stronger that let's come together and you'll have a new career path and a new role, but you're going to be part of the band. And you're going to come along for the ride. And for those that are nearing retirement, you know, we're going to do everything possible to treat you right. But I, I think it's the talent that can come together in a bigger balance sheet and take that those resources, uh, even headquarters. There's, there's so many pent up headquarter facilities of small credit unions. But I think if we could sell those headquarters and invest in digital together. So I think there's huge opportunity for, for more mergers. But the message needs to be talent. You're coming for the ride. We want you in and we want you challenged. Uh, you know, my banks that did serial acquisitions, Todd, they always picked up some of their best talent. You know, I'd go to a $20 billion bank and it'd be, oh, Billy came from the first bank deal and Sally came from the West Bank deal. And we're all we're all still rocking and rolling now. Uh, but we've got kind of our lineage with our mergers. I think that can happen in the credit union side. I agree as well. You know, it, it's... Uh... We always like to say here at Canvas, you know, uh, you know, collaboration is the gift of our space, our space being right. credit unions. And, and you just now said exactly that. Um, collaboration, um, the word that you use, you know, whether that's, you know, code for merger, 
um, there still are opportunities um, um, aside from merger and um, sure. for continued collaboration, right? I mean, yeah. we've, we've got a great opportunity. We've been saying it, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. We've been saying it in our credit union industry for years and years and years. And there was a time when there was a lot of collaboration. The past few years, you and I have probably seen um, not so much so. And yeah. now I'm getting on these Zoom calls with all of these credit unions of, uh, you know, CEOs of all shapes and sizes. And a really cool thing has is, has happened where we're on the, this Zoom call and we're in the chat box and somebody will say something and then there's a chat thing that'll say, hey, can I get that? Can, can I talk to you about where you're buying masks? Hey, wh right. where'd you get the hand sanitizer? You know, or, hey, how right. are you close? And I believe it has sparked this, um, this old school collaboration mm -hmm. partnership. We're all a family kind of thing that's been really inspiring for me. Would you agree? Okay. I, I think it's an opportunity. And, and let me give you my perspective, Todd, in the sense that I, I deal with all kinds, you know, I, I deal with, you know, investment banks. I, you know, be around people like Sandler and KBWP, private equity folks, fintech folks, uh, vendors, banks and credit unions, privately held banks with families and publicly traded banks. I, if we're going to talk about collaboration in the credit union industry, I, I think that one piece of awareness I would give the, the industry is that we have wasted each other's time too much in the past with politeness and supportive. And the worst thing we can do is go to a meeting and about collaboration and nod our head and say, fascinating, great opportunity. We love it. And when it's capital call time, nothing, you know, not even a return phone call. And then when something's just a bad idea or not performing, we keep, keep it on life support. We, we have to think about, again, what really adds value. And the problem with there's been too many QSOs birth without a focus, uh, without accountability and we've kind of been and they've been distractions I, I think the new world of collaboration needs to be focused qso investments with a purpose run by professionals not somebody that somebody had you know some extra time with at one of the credit unions run by pros who get paid well to create value uh, and then we hold that all of us accountable for our commitments there i i don't give us a track record in a i mean the birth of cuddle or, or co-op or PSCU uh, or CUNA Mutual, those are great, you know, greatest hits of collaboration that created value. Uh, Prime Alliance, which ultimately got sold, as you know, to Mortgage Cadence Eccentric. Mm -hmm. Those are all greatest hits. But for those, there's another couple hundred of, you know, kind of lame, lame uh, performance. We got we to improve our hit rate, but I totally agree with you. And I think candidly, there's a new breed of executives out there who really see this. Who are ready to kind of operate that way? Well, I, I agree with you. you know, ironically, uh, earlier today, I um, uh, I serve on the the Mountain West Credit Union Association board, and and mm -hmm. this this week, um, we we've um, leveraged all the things that you and I have been a bunch of things you and I have been talking about earlier, as far as Zoom calls and things. We we had our our virtual uh, planning discussion mm -hmm. our uh, strategic discussions in two hour chunks this week and essentially what we are talking about is what you just now said it's it's like hey we have this trade association and then we have the service corporation and right. and then we have this foundation over here how can we you know as a trade association if our first last and always um priority is advocacy 
politically advocating on behalf of credit unions in the community, et cetera, then, hey, by the way, how do we leverage the service corporation in order to support that rather than, hey, we're going to, here are right. a bunch of trinkets we're going to sell over here. And oh, right. by the way, we don't have professionals running. I'm not saying that about ours, but, you know, we're looking and, and we sat and we had this conversation. And, and to your point, I believe this, this time, um, a lot of people are saying, let's take a fresh look at how we've been doing things. You know, we've yeah. been, what's that old, uh, you know, a little bit um, fat and lazy or complacent yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think you're right, Todd, that I, I and I, I really believe, I've met a lot of service corp heads within both bank and credit and trade groups that, that want to get something going. They're like, why can't we tap the value of collaboration? And I think what's important is that strategy. We've got to not do everything, trinkets as you call them. We've got to pick a few things where there's a real demand and we can get the right kind of commitments from the participants. But in the past, uh, what people didn't like was this idea of I need to participate through obligation, you know, buy your, buy your bread from the league because they need the money. It's not going to work. It, and so it, I think defining those values. And then again, if I'm going to be a board member, I'm going to participate. Don't go nod your head in that and not be game in. If, if you're not going to be game in, tell them why in the meeting right then so we don't waste each other's time. We each have 2,000 hours a year to give to transformation. Don't waste each other's time being polite. You know, hey, Todd, it's kind of cool. That's cool what Tansley uh, dreamt up. I'm not investing. We know, we don't, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not investing and here's why. Well, then we could get to a real discussion. Well, what if we did this? Um, so I think that's so important. And we will help out our service corp executives if we act that way from a governance standpoint. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There, I will say this, this particular week, as we had these conversations and we had the leadership team from the association and, and our service corp and our foundation, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. Um, they were a little bit shell shocked <laughs> during all of these conversations because really what we were saying is, is listen, we're really, we want to heaven, you know, shame on us. If this COVID-19 shut in, everything has changed shame on us if we don't learn from this shame on yeah. us if we go back when we get on the other side of this and go back to doing things the same old way let's be bigger better faster stronger let's yeah. let's really work on that and be focused and again they were a little bit shell-shocked but you could see as we at each two-hour session it's they you'd see them start to get a little bit excited and there's a little hop in their step right and, and yeah you began to pull them into that conversation you could tell they were like Put yeah. me in, coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. And so yeah. a lot of cool things. Yeah. One of the great paradoxes in our industry, though, is that uh, the uh, the ability to generate ideas is insatiable. The the resources to execute is what we have to you know guide them through. And so I, I think prioritizing opportunities and uh, both from a, you know, kind of a cost or a ROI. But I, I want to use a term I learned from Greg mm -hmm. Mitchell at First Tech Credit Union CEO. Great guy. He, they use a term at their team called return on effort, meaning, you know, we may have the money, but we only have so much time and so much management bandwidth to get something done. So which which of these opportunities has the highest return on effort, uh, you know, that that we can get done? And I think prioritization is hugely important right now, um, both at, at the Canvas credit union level and at the industry level right now in terms of collaboration. No, I agree with you. Let me. You, you just made me think of something as it relates to you guys. You, you know, and I know, Steve, you and I are uh, uh, 
Well, I know I am a, a an adequately intelligent guy. I, I meaning I'm average at best, but I have incredible people who I get to serve alongside every single day who are like infinitely smarter than me. <laughs> and yeah. and can, as I always say, they can run faster and jump higher than me. Um, and our success has everything to do with that. Do me a favor, brag a little bit, of, if you would, about the Cornerstone team. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I, I'm so much appreciate you guys giving me the next four and a half hours. It'll be wonderful. <laughs> um, now, you know, it's that grit. It's everywhere I turn. If I look at my contract group run by, you know, uh, our, our contract group, which I should say run by Bob Roth and Ryan Rackley, just they wake up every day and they are embedded in this vendor ecosystem and they, they don't view vendors as enemies. They view them as partners we have to get to the right deals with. And so, you know, what I love about that is the ability to, to add that value, uh, make sure that the level uh, playing field is level for our banks and credit unions. Uh, and, and it takes a lot of work. You know, they wake up every day at seven, they're on the phone with New York uh, and they, you know, end about six o'clock Pacific time. Uh, when, when I look at some of the folks in our, you know, channel and payments areas, Brandy Gregory is an example of our payments person. She can tell you everything about Visa TPS and, and First Data and, and WorldPay and FIS. And, and it's like talking to Barkley about the NBA, uh, you know, so I love that. Our lending folks, Daryl Jones and Joel, you know, Bruce in the lending area. It's just, I, I can name a hundred people, but it's their grit. And then how we can bring that together because they have to spend all day in one little domain and they can barely keep up. So we always say to ourselves, if you were a CIO and you woke up in the morning with two emergencies, one big project to finish and a, you know, a new strategic planning meeting with your peers, how do you stay up on all this and be able to execute? So we just feel like it's our job to bring that grit, not platitudes. And, and uh, what I love is when I can bring those folks in and, and I look smart. I mean, I'm basically Don King bringing the prize fighters in. I, I'm like you. I am, I'm about here. And I had to laugh so hard when you called me technology expert. But, but uh, that's the fun part. What I think I can do is and maybe piece it together. And here's what this credit union's struggling with. Here's the expert I need to pull in to have them talk to. And that's just a blast. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll have, what you're saying is also we're going to have to have like follow up uh, you said four and a half hours, you know, follow up <laughs> podcast so you can talk about each individual person. But I know yeah. you're really, really proud of the team. And I am. Here's a, here's a thing that I think would probably be a true statement as well. That is that Cornerstone Advisors, um, and, and I'm going to base this on my observations of, of your company and the impact that you've had at credit unions, that you guys really value innovation. And, and, it, and it's an interesting thing that in our industry at the beginning of this, and I've had many of these conversations with our leadership team, that, that many of our friends, your friends, Steve, and my friends, and we have a lot of friends who are the same people, um, a, a lot of those folks during this time, because they didn't know what they didn't know and they were scared half to death of not knowing what they didn't know, they, they, they hit the stop button or the nuclear button, as I like to say, and right. say, we're stopping everything and, and, and we can't you know, continue projects. And, you know, for us at Canvas, we, we just took a different approach. We said, right, we need to be, we need to really, don't be stupid. We're going to be prudent in terms of yeah. how we're investing our members' money. But 
we need to we need to make sure that we continue to iterate and grow and try to transform. Innovation still matters to us because yeah. it's going to matter on the other side. Talk to me about how you think your thought in terms of that concept the, it, during a time like this. Should credit unions be hitting the pause button or should credit unions be prudent and yeah. paying very close attention to continuing to to have a vision that's really compelling. Yeah, Todd, I've been calling it in planning sessions the last few months, you know, we've got to thread the needle. And what I mean by that is we have to deal with the realities of a recession, uh, capital pressure that's come faster than we probably anticipated at the holiday party, uh, low earnings, and, and, and therefore next year stakeholders, regulators, board members, partners who will look at our low earnings and say, oh, However, we're in a race against time with transformation, and that didn't slow down with COVID. It sped up because we did a crash course with all of America in remote delivery. When we were getting, you know, the old joke is it wasn't a McKinsey study or Chase Bank or a FinTech that hastened a remote delivery and digital transformation. It was a virus. So we're in this race now, and if we fuck, if we, you know, bat down the hatches for 21 and 22, and come out in 23 and we haven't transformed into a smarter bank, fintechs will, the fintechs and the, the merger of fintechs with banking will be far along. Uh, big tech with them peeling off use cases like Amazon and, and Apple have been doing in cards and payments and merchant, that's gonna continue through this. And there is so much capital out there because of this rate environment looking for a return. Uh, you just saw yesterday, Ellie May, sold for 11 times revenue. So there's capital out there that's gonna fund innovation. If, mm -hmm. if the traditional credit union market doesn't participate, that impact financially, when you come out and have lost the race will be as big as anything we see from the recession and COVID. So yes, we've got to thread the needle. Do we have realities though? Yeah, and so it's really getting into where are we, you know, again, what, where should we be spending money in our delivery system? and I do believe you said iterate and I agree. We don't have to scope it in these grand big bang projects. We might iterate something very quickly with analytics or with let's just get V1 of our next digital onboarding out the door. Uh, and I think that, you know, that iteration makes you not waste, um, waste capital or resource on a bad design. So, you know, I definitely think you have to do that. I think we're getting there uh, as, as organizations. Um, uh, we still probably hold too many meetings that don't lead to, lead to that outcomes, but, you know, absolutely. And let me just tell you, 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 you had mentioned in the, you know, email to me inviting me, like, what are some examples? Well, you've probably heard this, but the example where credit unions jumped into PPP, and like everybody, it was a disaster in, in respect from a process standpoint with the SBA. And it was like Ticketmaster trying to get Springsteen tickets to get your loans registered. And lo and behold, and I think you've heard with, with uh, Members Development Corp, the, the robotics vendor who allowed uh, some credit unions to leverage robotics to keep pounding away at the SBA to get the loans registered. That, that all happened in the span of a couple of weeks, but it, it created tremendous value. Uh, have a credit union that was experimenting with video call center, um, but boy, COVID came and they were ready to go. And then they just kept doubling down and iterating on that. And, now they're getting you know, 1,200 video sessions a month uh, in what was expected to be a slow ramp. Um, as you know, a lot of credit unions have said, what do we do with our branch capacity with this staff? 
how can we get them connected into call center overflow or how can we train them through mortgage boot camp to be mortgage processors right now so that kind of stuff all proves when we want to we can do some pretty cool things that are kind of outside the box um and that, that's what I love. It, it doesn't have to be these planned out things, but it's got to be this kind of attitude of where do we create value? Yeah. Having said that, you work with both banks and credit unions. And, and if I can continue to riff on what you just now said, during this time, what are some of the most creative things that you've seen with your, your bank and, and or credit union um, customers, most creative uh, things that have come out of this time? Is that a fair mm -hmm. question? Yeah. Well, I have one, I have one uh, credit union who's really looking seriously at making uh, their branch staff an extension of their contact and sales centers. So they're really saying from both a technology standpoint and even the analytics to drive scheduling and the training side. So it's bringing together skills with technology, with almost um, workforce management you know, how do we not have a contact center and an outbound sales center and a branch system, but how do we flex that resource uh, as demands change and days of the week change? And so they're spending a lot of time on that. And I, I think that's kind of fascinating. Um, I, I'm seeing, you know, Salesforce has dominated the CRM world and, you know, kind of it, no one gets fi uh, fired for uh, hiring Salesforce, but um uh, Members Development Corporation also has a next-gen uh, uh, CRM system they're they're working with, and some of the credit unions that have jumped into that, or you know, they're they're basically uh, using uh, kind of the robotic process and and what they call low-code automation to just go after the whole member experience, not in one fell swoop, but you know, what are we doing there? Um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll give a nod to a credit union in the financial health world. Uh, Todd, there's always been this, what do we do with the unbanked or the underbanked? And um, this is a seg-based credit union. But one thing they did, I thought that was really gutsy is they they have uh, savvy money, credit monitoring, free credit reporting. Uh, and they decided to give that to everybody as the first product in membership, even before they had a checking account or a loan, as just a way to start building engagement um, with more what I'd call working class members who wouldn't fall into the finance grid as the most profitable, but they did it because it was mission specific. And they made a bet, if we start standing for financial health, something good is going to come from that. We will find a way to make a business model out of that. So those are some of the stories I see. And I just, you know, I love watching the, all those little things happen, um, you know, and, and, and then you kind of take them and say, how do we scale some of these ideas? Absolutely. No, I love that stuff. Uh, I, by the way, I worked for Savvy Money for a, for a couple of years in a former life. Well, uh, yeah, and you know, and uh, um, candidly, I think that the, the, the acceleration is there for things like that. There was, that was mm -hmm. some of that polite, uh, we love what you're doing, we'll see you next year at GAC, that doesn't bring these things to scale. And I think when we saw Credit Karma starting to eat our lunch, turning credit monitoring into a lead engine and then taking our loans away, the industry started to say, well, wait a minute, I, I get it now. We need to be engaging our households or someone is going to do that for us and it won't be our loans in the end. So I'm happy to see people getting around utilities like that and saying, we've got to scale them. And then you get into the whole world of how do we embed that into our mobile and how do we yeah. make that experience work? 
but you know there's no short there's no shortcut to that kind of you know let's just get our hands dirty and figure it out i know i know my good buddy jb arakia will will like that <laughs> you know that we talked about it we'll have to we'll have to send him a, a note and say hey we talked about yeah. your company but there That's are right. you're right there's some really I, the way you describe it is exactly right. We're going to GAC, we're on the on the exhibitor floor, and we're like, yeah, hey, that sounds like a really novel thing. I don't really, can't figure out how I, why I would need that right now, and then suddenly right. something like this happens. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. Let me, yeah, let we, me. We, yeah, we have to use financial help in the sincere ways that, you know, we need to be out there having these kind of brutal discussions with the households of America, but then we, we also need to turn it into a business. and. And we need to tie that to how do we create demand for loans and payments and deposits in our industry. And I think, you know, again, people, fintechs are proving that's possible. Let's do it. Let's be the good guys. Same tools, same weapons, yeah. but let's use them for good. I agree. Hey, so let me shift a minute uh, here, Steve, uh, to, you know, more uh, of a personal thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I was going to ask you, you know, how you have, during this time have stayed connected and everything and have you had an opportunity to see family and, mm -hmm. you know, for those who will, when we release this podcast on iTunes, they'll just hear, but they, sure. they but we have a video version that we'll, we'll post out on, um, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, where are you right now? Explain to us where you are right now and, and those pictures i'm i'm wondering as i'm looking you are you up on that wall somewhere yeah i'm the i'm the uh, baby over there on the like right there uh next to the bride so i'm at my uh my parents family cabin that we've had for 50 years uh in lake arrowhead california i'm with my wife and stepdaughters and my uh brother and sister-in-law nephew and, and my mom and and uh my mom lives in scottsdale with us we're spending some time this week out here in the summer uh, my mom's 89, so there's been a lot of distancing. Uh, she's still mad that I only will elbow her and stay <laughs> six feet away. even here. Uh, but yeah, that's my mom, my, my father up there, uh, my mom with my two brothers behind me in that picture. And yeah, this has been our place of wakeboarding. Uh, when my daughter, my I have daughters, grown women, when we were growing up, it was, you know, wakeboarding. And the, the tradition was every summer I'd make a CD called Summer Rock that we had to listen to while we wakeboard. Uh, and I, therefore, I brainwashed my kids into all classic rock and heavy metal, and it's been a wonderful journey there. So they they still listen to that, uh, and and they want to come up and go boarding. And I'm uh, teaching my stepdaughters how to board as well. We we would be kindred spirits in that regard. Growing up, my kids, my uh, my my four kids who are adults now, um, you put anything on, they're like you know we play that name that band. They win all the time, you know, with all their yeah. friends. They're like, hey, Kansas, Sticks, Journey, yeah. Queen, Led Zeppelin, you know, Stevie yeah. Wonder, Earth, Wind & Fire. So yeah, uh, that's a cool thing. Yeah, I, I still claim to be the champion of Credit Union Rock Trivia. John Best gives me a real run for the money. He's he's darn good. So we'll have to we'll have to have a competition sometime, Todd. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> hey, so, so how have you... Um, what are other ways um, that you've stayed connected with people around the country? I mean, I, the yeah. very obvious you know, Zoom calls and, and the like. But. You know what I found? Yeah. And certainly we've, we've uh, you know, I probably talked to four or five executives like this a day. So it's kind of fun to be able to see. And actually a couple of weeks ago there, you know, when the cases started to really explode again in America uh, across, you know, the Southeast and the Sun Belt where I am, there was a bit of look of uh, kind of tiredness on, on, on the faces a few weeks ago. I, 
I think what happened the last few weeks is, is that what everybody said is, this is no longer about delay. This is how we run our business. This is our life. We have to find a way to just change our attitude and, and get a new sense of energy. And so, you know, I think just talking through that with folks and, and, and you know, always talking the personal side helps as well. One thing I've noticed is uh, just a lot more texting, it, you know, I think uh, informally uh, without all the, the channels and the, you know, dear John, it's good to see. It's just, you know, I, I've had so many, hey buddies, hope you're doing okay. Saw the riots, I hope you're doing okay there. You know, it's just, I've, I've found texting with CEOs and executives is a lot more informal right now. Um, and it's kind of to the point. So we know when to get on a Zoom and when to do a business email and when to just text a buddy and say, thinking about you. Um, so that's been, you know, part of it. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been hard to connect candidly in some respects. We, I, like I said, I missed the concert and the ball game and the conference uh, and the after dinner and the, and the board dinners. I miss a lot of the directors I know who are also diverse in their backgrounds. And, you know, I get this crash course in what's going on in the world through, you know, meeting 200 directors for dinner a year um, across different credit unions. So miss that. You know, it, it, you said, you know, if you're, if you're used to for a ton of years, you know, a hundred days of travel a year, um, with these past few months of sort of not decompressing, if you will, but just a, a different cadence, do you, do you, do you think when Steve, when we get on the other side of this, that you will look forward to a hundred days a year again, or do you think that there will be Oh, that, no, I think there'll be a mix of that. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll be anxious to, to be with people. Um, I've enjoyed the time with family, though, uh, like many, you know, just to, just your spouse alone is just a different kind of connection that's been fun. Um, so, yeah, I will I will miss some of that. And I think we'll we'll connect better all the time without having to have physical meetings for everything. But I think there will always be a place for physical meetings. But I think the connections are going to be stronger now that we've had this network of real time, uh, you know, that you, you've mentioned with that's happening with executives, you know, that there's there's a new form of connection that's gonna augment the in-person. Uh, and I think that the connective tissue will be there easier while you, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you strengthen it with physical meetings, but you don't lose it but with tools like this. What's that, um, Steve, that, that, that one thing when we get on, or, or things, and you've mentioned, live sports and, and music and concerts and mine would be right there as well. You know, are there, are there other things? What are some of the other things that you're looking forward to? Uh, you mentioned having a scotch with a good friend. Yeah. 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 What are, are those things when we get on the other side that you're going to be like, man, I just, I, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I, I do like, uh, you know, music. I love to go out. My wife and I, I just like, I love to go out to dinner, have a, you know, you know, great bottle of Pinot Noir or something. So I just, you know, restaurants are just a bummer now. You know, there's, we were outside at picnic tables last night, everybody in masks. It's just, you know, it's, I miss vibe. I miss the energy humans give each other by creating experiences and tasting great food and hearing great music. Um, but I, what I do miss, I, I miss the JW Marriott at GAC where you can have a honeypot of what's going on with smart people <laughs> And, uh, you know, with a little liquid courage, but you can, you can get so much perspective so fast by being at a place like, you know, a conference or a show where you're meeting smart people and you're kind of saying, what's going on? And there's just something about being in person where the flow is even stronger. Uh, and so, you know, I take a crash course in the industry every year 
uh, at the JW Marriott in DC. It's it's the it's the honeypot of what's going on. It it's crazy. You know, I've I've used uh, I, I actually have made reference to that particular right there sitting with at, at night after everybody, as you know, right. Uh, we we spent a day either on the exhibitor floor or in general sessions, right. and then and then right. we take board members or we go right. partners for dinner, and then where do we all go? We right. <laughs> go back to the Marriott, and it's like everybody right. converges. And yeah. funny enough, it, I, I I told a story, Steve, uh, in one of our very first podcasts, you know, last year, that uh, I'm sitting there, and it was in the evening. You you know the scene. And right. we're just jammed up, and they never have enough bartenders sitting there. To I take know. It. I want to reorganize the bar while I'm there, like you idiots. Don't you understand management science? But that's another story, right? And 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 uh, yeah, we're process guys. Come on, man. Right. And so I remember I was sitting at, uh, I was standing at the bar like six deep, right? And I finally had made my way up to the, and I'm, all I'm doing is trying to catch catch the eye of the of the bartender who's trying to avert, you know, contact from everybody. And, and then uh, while I'm sitting there, this, this, this dude taps me on the shoulder and I turn around, I don't know who he is. And I'm like, Hey, I said, Hey, I'm sorry. Did I, did I like did step I cut, in front right? of you or whatever? And he's like, no, man. Hey, so you don't know me. I'm, and he says his name and he goes, I I'm from such and such credit union. And I'm like, okay, where's this going? He goes, Hey man, I really dig your podcast. <laughs> like, what? And, but it, it, it it was so much fun because then I turned around and I'm like, man, that's really cool. I think I yeah. kind of suck at this podcast thing. I'm still learning. And he's like, no, it's great. And I have friends awesome. and no kidding. It's Tansley who's over to my left nose. Like 15 minutes later, I'm in the crowd. I have my drink and somebody taps my shoulder, rinse and repeat. It was the same thing. They're like, Hey, you don't know me, but I really like the cool. podcasts, so it was cool. It's such a cool. I miss that as well. I'm I'm hoping yeah. that when you and I, when all this stuff, you know, that we won't miss uh, a GAC in that regard, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good stuff. I love it. No, you know, it's uh, when we started Gonzo Banker, it was a, a bit of the same thing. We we could, you know, it was it was fun to be authentic and just say this is what we're thinking. This is. We don't want to put on errors and uh, it's just fun. We, you know, to get a letter from Australia saying, you know, or an email, just, Hey, love the, you know, and, and to make contacts around the world through content. And so uh, I think that's one of the things that we can learn, even when it comes to how we connect with members or just be real, have something to say, um, be specific, um, but really engage them. And, and uh, it, you don't have to put on your work face, uh, to to add value in the workplace, you know, so I, I think that's a real and congrats to that. I think people like the ability people have an innate sense of wanting to connect. It, it gives them, uh, you know, a place on the map where they are. And so uh, I think that's a great story you told me. Yeah, thank you. Well, Steve, our time is is coming towards an end and, and uh, yeah. you know, hopefully you'll there there will be wakeboarding in your future later today or something there at uh, the lake house thank i'm hoping you. um something a little more than an elbow bump with your mom maybe <laughs> i don't know but um we really appreciate you giving us your time i, I want to ask you one more question if you don't mind we we we're, we're very fortunate when we started this we the, the the concept of this podcast was about you know giving young leaders or leaders in general somewhere in their career um journey whether they were starting out and they want they 
are thinking, maybe I want to be a leader. They're, you know, they're on that path, uh, they're midway and they'd like to be a CEO or what have you. Um, we've had a lot of those folks all over the country and they're always listening for that, for that, for advice, if you will. And, 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 yeah. a, and a story from somebody like Steve to, you know, Hey, here's something that you need to be thinking about on your path, on your journey. It, what would you share with them? Uh, a, a bit of advice as an ex as a technology sure. expert and a, you know, music no, my, expert. And yeah, I, that's a great one. And certainly there's, there's plenty of better mentors to say something. What I, I guess my, what I might be able to contribute is when you think of leadership uh, and you think about how financial institutions need to get from A to B. And I'd say from what I would call legacy institutions to smarter institutions, use our cornerstone terms, um, managing horizontally, leading horizontally is probably more important than leading through the hierarchy. And so everything we're gonna do from analytics to member experience to enterprise risk is a horizontal strategy. So you have to be really good at connecting with peers, uh, at, at, at making your case and building commitments. And a good leader in, in today's world in a financial institution knows how to grab commitments from people they have no authority to tell. They have to sell ideas, they have to sell projects, they have to sell commitments to behaviors or they have to sell to get money. And uh, that's a talent you have to, to really hone. And um, you can't do that through email. You can't do that by using the cover of authority. You have to do it by engaging people in and winning with your ideas and the merits of those ideas. And we all know them because I like to joke, Todd, that every organization has three or four change agents that absolutely work across boundaries and get stuff done. And what I like to joke at, at Canvas Credit Union, if I found those four or five folks and kidnapped them, and held them at the Broadmoor Hotel for two weeks, I could probably put you out of business. They're that valuable <laughs> because of the way they connect through. through. And they're, they may be a VP and they can go to an EVP and say, hey, here's what I just heard and here's what I need you to think about and here's what I'd like us to do. And the EVP says, yeah, sure. Their authority comes through their credibility. So I would, I would say, check yourself on that. How well do you work horizontally? And how well you know, are you building those connections? Because that's where the power to make meaningful change resides. Uh, I, that's gold right there, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, again, Steve, thanks. Uh, Steve Williams, Thank Cornerstone Advisors, what you guys do um, really matters in our industry to so many people. Um, 18 years you've been uh, um, in Rock, with yeah. Cornerstone. Impact, impact, impact. And I, I have you. so many friends around the country who just uh, uh, rave about cornerstone but about steve williams very very specifically so so thank you man well, thank you but thank you for the compliment to the team and i, I we, we take it uh, we're humbled and and we want to live up to that thank you very much and i i've loved uh, knowing you over the years and 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 we've always enjoyed kind of the talks of where things are going i think i met tansley at a at a Q's training a long time ago and uh i can remember being at thunder punch with tansley in the past so uh it's just, it's fun to watch, you know, that, that was a young leader who's really put her mark on the industry. So love what you guys are doing. I love the vibe uh, you guys are giving from a branding and just a culture standpoint on campus. So keep it up. That, those are the kind of organizations people want in the industry. Keep it up.
uh, we're, we're humbled and grateful for that. We appreciate it. Well, Steve, thanks. And, and Thank uh, can't, wait, can't wait to see you again in person sometime, my friend. We'll make it happen. Thanks to everybody.